Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your hosts, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. What's poppin', y'all? This episode, we are talking about the 1996 uh, starting show, sitcom, The Steve Harvey Show, that ran for six seasons, all of which Bullethead and Romeo were in high school. You know, I was, I, you know, let's just start there, friend, because I'm like, they've been in school for 15 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How long would you say they've been in school? Like, no, they it's, said Romeo says it at graduation. He says it took us six years, but we're here. <laughs> Jesus, I'm like, wait a minute, because the the series itself was six years, almost seven. Right? It will never, ever, 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 ever graduate. <laughs> <laughs> but he meant it. Like, damn, I, I think they barely made it. And then why are they always in Mr. Hightower's class? Like they wanted to be in his class, Mr. Hightower. We want to be in your class. No, you got us to take. Why are y'all still in my class? So the school counselor in me has explanations for those that will come later. But just wanted to highlight this show and it bringing us classic funk numbers such as "When the Funk Hits the Fan." All the people on the dance, come on, get with me. Get with me. And then there's also Break Me Off a Piece of That Funk. Break me off a piece of that funk. Hey, come and get this party started. No. Okay. All right. Uh, You were so close. You were doing so well. I don't know know. what happened. I just wanted to make up my own words. Remix. That's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know I'm saying DJ Rosie in the house. (laughs) so are these real songs because i actually enjoy them when they would perform them actually um i think that you can play them off of youtube and that's it damn son but uh, hey i mean there's people hitting the big on youtube we on youtube true that (laughs) (laughs) that's how they found justin bieber anyway Oh, and Chloe and Hallie. But I digress. Uh, did you have any quotes, friend? This show wasn't as quote worthy. It seemed like later on people wanted to have catchphrases, but they didn't right. start with them. They didn't. You know, I think more so it's Steve and his I'm so very, very, very. Like, so <laughs> anytime. <laughs> I don't understand why that was so funny to me. But every time I'm either so very, very disappointed, so very, very hurt. This is very, very good. It's just like, really, Steve with his big old lip. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, LaVita, LaVita Alizé Jenkins. This is the principal's office. And if you would like to see her, you have to make an appointment through me. LaVita Alizé Jenkins, administrative assistant. That's my title. Mm-hmm. Boss lady. Um, and it's I the called one of my bosses boss lady because I like, I like it stuck with me, <laughs> right? And 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 I guess I never realized the like the initial interaction of like, okay, here's uh, Regina and Lavita meeting, and like how much she gave her so much empower, like you know, woman's kudos, like yeah, it's yeah, I see you being a boss, and that's how she earned the title boss lady. I don't remember that episode growing up, but. It was like, oh, I love that for them. It was really cute. That was one of my favorites. I clearly, I have a bracelet that says boss lady. Really? 
Yeah, because that, that's, that's hashtag goals, boss lady. <laughs> boss lady. And she was still like, she would check her, you know, every now and then, often. <laughs> that would be just, she couldn't get it right. You know, she tried. <laughs> Bless her heart. Poor soul. But we do what we can. We do what we can. She she looked out for her. And honestly, you could tell that Regina was not trying to hire her. But, you know, Levita's like, <laughs> I just got divorced. I need a jump. I'm living with my mama. Hell. Speaking of boss lady, she had uh, two of my quotes that I that stuck out in my mind was the bam in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Such a gracious winner she was. <laughs> I mean, she she did not. She was a poor loser. When Anything she had, was the trophy. It was, it was, woo, woo. You could buy a trophy now. <laughs> right. For real though. Twerking sells one. Yeah. It's called, congratulate, like, adulting. You get a trophy for adulting. I'll give them out. Trust me. Everyone gets one. And then I also liked the woo with the turn. Yes, Woo! baby. Yeah, I do it all in one motion. All in one motion. <laughs> she was she was giving life. Her little outfits. She was definitely. She was fine, won't life. she? Whoa, whoa, won't she, baby? Ooh, sophisticated. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Like she get her suits tailored. Okay, I get my eighty-seven tailored. Yeah, she was tiny, 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 real tiny. She was not. She was not piggy. Although that was her nickname. Because <laughs> she used to be Piggy. <laughs> I was like, damn, they have to do all like that. We all have some of those childhood nicknames that we can't outgrow, though. That's true. That's true. I still I have that. about three family members that call me Boborski. Boborski? I can't believe I'm sharing that on this podcast to the world. So, yes, yeah, apparently when this. I was... Yeah, no, because I don't share. Um, When I was a baby... I spoke gibberish, like, and so they said, Courtney speaking mm-hmm. Russian, but apparently everyone in my household spoke <laughs> Russian too, because they understand it, uh, you know, <laughs> gobble, 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 juice, and <laughs> they would move accordingly, and so my auntie Connie started calling me Buborski. <laughs> Buborski? I'm going to get a jersey mate, and I'm going to get Buborski across the back. <laughs> Word. Indeed, I think this might be new merch. <laughs> if anyone calls me Waborski, I swear um, I'll run away. No, yeah, don't do it in public. I'm not. I'm not gonna get angry. I'm not gonna <laughs> do anything to you. I'm just gonna ah, run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I had memory enough to remember that that's a name I should start calling you now. Anywho, so moving right along, then let's let's erase <laughs> it from your memory right now. Oh, my last quote <laughs> was Sally's, uh, C- Cedric's, not Sally, Sally. Yeah, those people. Cedric's um, all willy-nilly. Everything was just all willy-nilly. You can't be doing this all willy-nilly. You can't be using uh, nicknames all willy-nilly. <laughs> yes. And him and uh, Willa Kucha, Georgia. <laughs> Bruh. I literally had to Google it because I was like, wait, is this? Wait, is there a Willy Coochie Georgia? Ma'am, there is a Willow Coochie Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, first it started with because of the way it flowed for him every time he had an opportunity to tell the people who he is and where he's from, from Willy Coochie Georgia. It all started. It all started (laughs) in Willy Coochie Georgia. (laughs) So, like, instead of the entertainer from Willy Coochie Georgia, it turns out he's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I was like, wait, so Willa Coochie, Georgia, it's actually a place like hella in the boondies, though. Like, it's not popping. So uh, what you're saying is spot two on our road trip across America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hesitation. Right. I feel like Willa Coochie, Georgia is where uh, all the aliens decided to settle. <laughs> So we'll stop and get gas with the coochie. It won't be like a real <laughs> tour. It'll just, that's be where we stop at the gas station. Fuel up. No, on the way to- it's, it's actually in reference to like place and like 
you know, what people, most people know about Georgia, Atlanta, right? So it's like a three hour drive. Thanks for that bit of information. (laughs) Because I mean, it's important for, for the people to know. And I feel like, wait, where is Cedric the Entertainer from? Because I, why didn't I not write that down? I don't know. But I do know that this show, as with a lot of things that we've been doing on this show, is set in Chicago. Did you know that or remember that from before? No. And so this is also really going to sound bad because I'm real ignorant. I was an ignorant kid. The only place I've had tall buildings was New York. So everything that had buildings... <laughs> in it is like obviously this is new york duh like i legit i felt that for a lot of sitcoms movies there's oh that's new york. it was your places of reference it's what you knew it's what i knew <laughs> right and then i was like my mind was blown when i found out all these movies actually were taking place in chicago like oh, i feel the betrayal yeah <laughs> But I thought it was really cool. Like, and I didn't, I did not realize that that's also why Keenan and Kale mm. are little brothers. And I was like, mind blown watching this for this like, like 15,000th time and realizing this. Vincent and Junior, who remixed <laughs> When the Funk Hits the Fan, smells <laughs> like chitlin, grits, and ham. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I often sang it around the house. Is that how you sang it? Okay. As a child. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I like their version anyway. <laughs> it's better. Their their relationship was just, it was adorable to me. I enjoyed seeing their little cameos, actually. I was like, oh, yay, they're here. By Thanks. the way, Cedric the Entertainer is from Missouri. I feel like I knew that. Is he from St. Louis? Let me let me let me see. Okay, no. we're still googling. I'm sorry. Uh, he gives me St. Louis vibes. It's a Missouri that I cannot pronounce. It's something. Okay. Carlisville. 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 We're sorry, Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> we don't mean to disrespect your hometown in this way. Because he's from Willacoochee, Georgia, and they say that song <laughs> in the story. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Speaking of cast members, this show did have a star-studded cast starring Steve Harvey, Cedric the Entertainer, Wendy Raquel Robinson, Lori Beth Denberg, who was absolutely amazing on this show, Merlin Santana was taking us from us far too soon, William Lee Scott. We had a guest appearances from people like Jonathan Slocum, Ronald Isley, TK Carter, just all types of just celebrities. Boris Kojo Bust was in the episode. Busta Rhymes was dancing in the episode. It was it was just everyone. Everyone. Oh Judge Mathis. Just right. stars. <laughs> stars. Just stars. I mean, we had we had uh Snoop Dogg and fucking and Puffy. And Puffy. I was like, wow. I, I see remember you- watching that episode. Like, really? I remember like, oh, yeah, I remember watching this and this being mm-hmm. like a thing. Like, East Coast, West Coast. Woo-hoo. Like, you know, I didn't realize like it was that big of a deal for them to really have a message embedded in it. We not with that West Coast, East Coast beef, man. And I was like, oh, look at that. You tried. Well, Snoop was on No Limit at that time, so we knew that he wasn't with it no more, so. <laughs> True shit. True shit. You're right. He made it very known that, you know, Shook can eat a dick. But those are his words, not mine. Um, Don't want that to be confused. That is not a message. <laughs> we, we are not getting into that media hype, okay? So, <laughs> that's <part. laughs> what they said. Um, <laughs> moving right along into the diagnosis then. Oh, that note. <laughs> Girl, okay. I took a little bit of a different approach because, well, two different things. I think because the show was set in a high school um, for the most part, the school counselor in me very much so saw things that part of my brain peaked. But then also there was a lot of like relationships in the show. And so I was looking a lot less on like individual characteristics of um, people and more like they're relating to each other and how people were connecting with one another, interacting with another, the relationships that were forming and what we knew of their histories and how that was impacting them moving forward with each other. So I had much more of a focus on that than I did like per se diagnosis. I have some, some, like a a couple, a few sprinkled in there, but 
much more so speaking about these relationships. <laughs> I can agree with that. Um, you know, I didn't really pick up on the on the relationship parts of it. Like I I did. Like I was like, wow, there's a lot of like, you know, different layers of different relationships happening. And especially for Regina and Steve, like it was just like, come on. Like, would you guys please just 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 do it already? God. <laughs> You're making everybody hurt. No, um <laughs> They're not the best couple, in my opinion. But anyhow, um, I looked more so um, at just like developmental, like an approach, you know, like especially mm-hmm. for Romeo and Bullethead. It was like, <laughs> friends, <laughs> why haven't we moved on? Um, but also, like, it was really hard to to diagnose individuals for them as well because it's like, okay. Immediately, as, as soon as I turned it on, I'm like, yep, Steve is the narcissist and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then the more I watched it, I'm like, okay, maybe not. This is just, they're just being people. <laughs> you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily pathologize um, some of, some of their things too much. So I, I felt like I would overdo it if I did. So I kind of, I was like, let me let me talk this out loud and see what we come up with as far as and individuals. As our listeners know, sometime on this show we reach oh, we real hard. Mm. We're not doing that today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, friend, I'll go with you. And though we've been off for a minute, so like as I return, we we appreciate for y'all waiting on us. Thank, Thank you. you. We love y'all. Yeah. Understanding that we people, and sometimes it's gonna take us a little minute. Yeah. We 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 we's back. We here. We's back. And it's been three years, friend. Like we reaching that three year mark. Like I can't believe it. Wow. And with reaching that mark, we ain't gonna be reaching for these diagnoses as hard. So with all of that being <laughs> said, um, <laughs> Steve Harvey once again reminds us that you can uh, continue to perpetuate um, the subjugation of women, uh, patriarchal, uh, just toxic masculinity just um mm-hmm. horrible um traditional uh oppressive values and it, it'd still be funny so mm. you know okay so question do you think yes. that this sitcom would would have the same would, would be able to be aired today with some of I the just banter? think that the writers would just have to get a little bit more creative because some of the stuff was very like very much so stereotypical um, and there was a lot of writing that put people into just very black and white categories that I think would just have to be expanded a little bit if they did it now. I think they still could do it and it still could be funny. I just think they would have to be a little bit more creative. Okay, I know we're going into diagnosis. Forgive me, friend. But I do have <laughs> to make this note. I feel like the Steve Harvey show did not get the love and the credit like the other shows We've we've grown to love like, you know, Martin is like, duh, who doesn't love Martin? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, duh, who doesn't like the Fresh Prince? Like and so Steve Harvey, the Steve Harvey show was like right in that during that era, too. But it doesn't get nearly as much like praise. And this shit is funny. Like I was like, yo, I really enjoyed this show. As much as it was a little stereotypical and, and all those things, it I still found my moments of like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's how I laugh, friends. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Did you enjoy watching it? So I did really enjoy. I think um, part of what goes into who gets classified as classics, especially, unfortunately, with the 90s shows, it was the network that it was on. Who got those True. promotional dollars? Yeah. It was yep. on WB. Yep. And we know with the Wayans brothers, like that show, we watched that. It was like, this show was fucking amazing. Like it's those shows. They built up the network and then Dawson's Creek came and those shows ended. Damn, son. It's fucked up. Yeah. Those bastards. Mm-mm. That's why they haven't had a hit since Smallville. <laughs> true it's true damn well here we are that's what you get yep karma 
Um, but I do feel like the the part that's part of it, the network that they were on, the amount of promotion, like the eyes and things like that. I do feel like there are people. I, I feel like there are elements of the show that you continue to see like play out in popular culture for us, mm-hmm. our popular culture. But so I think that those you see it there. I just don't think that it gets like the widespread love. But I have like I know at least two of my homeboys. This is their favorite show. And I'm rewatching it like, oh, this is your, this is their whole personality. Oh, this is where they got it from. Like, Um, Wayne's Brothers, that's me. Like, them, Steve Harvey Show. Wow. Wow, wow, Wubsy. I'd love to meet these individuals because I've never heard anyone say, yeah, I actually love the Steve Harvey Show. You've also never um, come to Buffalo. So, there's that. (laughs) Damn. You're right. (laughs) You're right. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm just tossing uh, subliminal shade on the show. We can cut that out, Dave, if you want to. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's working <a> out. <laughs> okay. Anyway, diagnosis. So, um, you have brought up Romeo and Bully- Bullethead, and I think that their relationship with each other was an interesting friendship that continued to grow. Was always eventful. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and I definitely saw some um some I guess um learning disabilities there. I can I can say that. And so I think that that might be have aided to what extended their time in high school for six years. I also feel like there were some accommodations. Be it small, I do think that the school was trying to work with Romeo and Bullethead because we see things like preferential seating. They're always front and center. Granted, they're stars of the show, but that that's also preferential seating. You need to be front so you can pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those two who were the only people that I were I saw, well, no, three, um, that had mentors. And so they, Steve and Cedric, they did make sure that they had mentors. Mm-hmm. When they missed parts of an exam, they had opportunities to make up exams. They did. They were getting certain accommodations like smaller testing sites for large exams. So yeah. like the school, the school was working hard. They put them on probation instead of just automatically failing them. Like the school was mm-hmm. trying they damn this. <laughs> they were. They were. And it I mean, it also helped that Romeo was very charis- char- charismatic. Wow. Get it together. It's not even Monday. Um <laughs> they they were really charismatic. Um and they were just they were cute together. Like, you know, they just they complimented each other so well. So it's just kind of like all right, you two, come on, knock it off, get back on track. So I can see that also adding. They were decent. Well, yeah, Romeo was was a very cute kid who started to look like, a, he started to look like a grown man about season six. I started yeah, watching the show and was like, yeah, I know I liked him when I was little, but Romeo did like a, he's like a, a man, season six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him a man, man. And then <laughs> Bullethead, who automatically they would feel empathy for because he has a bullet. In his head. In his head. <laughs> As you see, I got a bullet in his head. I was like, wow, bullet head. Wow. I'm concerned that over six years, they never completely fixed the hygiene issue that bullet head was having. What was his hygiene issue? They just kept referencing his hygiene issue. That boy had a hygiene problem and they had to keep having conversations about <laughs> his hygiene issues. I but I'm going to attribute that. To like poverty. Maybe they didn't have hot water. Maybe, you know, there were some extenuating circumstances. Couldn't get his clothes cleaned as regularly. Um, but they, while uh, while they were addressing the issue, they didn't need to shame the boy. They didn't. They didn't. Well, you know, the office culture there, I mean, <laughs> quite open. There one? Quite open. I mean, FERPA was violated. Oh, I was about to say that. Mm. So many times. FERPA will have a field day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> FERPA's going to use this as all the things you should not do. Not to do. <laughs> not to do. You know, I think there was one episode when one of the one of the students uh erased uh patties from beef patties from the menu for the school. And it's just like, really? Why why? Because Levita wanted, wanted a healthier school. option for the and, and to save the cows. Poor cows. Remember, she was she was vegan. She was the first I ever saw vegan. <laughs> I know, right? 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm having us all over the place. But it was so interesting. Some of the uh, the actresses that they had kind of coming in as like, you know. And so in my mind, some of them today. girls graduated. Because Robert was thinking. Thinking. So some of them moved, some of them graduated, graduated. some of like, you know, went on with their lives and Romeo and Bullethead was still just there. <laughs> like that was really like the point of when I was like, okay, so I get it. They're being held back or they're just not moving as quickly as the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. not progressing. They're not matriculating at the same pace. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was clear because like there was no there was no like additional advance in how they behaved or what they did like it was like they they were consistently Romeo and Bullethead the entire time there was no growth which was kind of disappointing too like for their their characters like why couldn't we see the growth everybody else had growth and changes that happened and they didn't I think I think they gave it like they spoke to it a little bit in last season mm-hmm. where they were kind of wrapping things up so and 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 in the fifth season, because Romeo, we see him and his family, like his family is continue mother and father continuing to break up and get back together. And he goes to live with Steve for a little bit, which is yeah. boundary, Steve. Um, and so there's that. But then <laughs> uh, Romeo decides that he has the SAT scores to go to college and doesn't mm-hmm. want to let his father down, but then decides, okay, well, if you're okay with me going to school, then let's discuss it. I'll go to school. And then Bullethead is kind of um, talking about how he's scared of leaving high school and he's comfortable there. And that's where he's been for the past six years. And he don't know if he can make it out in the real world. And then him and Steve have that conversation where he then finds that confidence in himself to go off to junior college and show them what he's made of and do all of the things. And so I was excited for them in that regard. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> A little step. Okay. Sometimes that's all you can ask for. <laughs> I wanted so much more for them. They deserve it's, so much more. It's their measurement of progress, not ours. Indeed. <laughs> I was excited once they added um, Lydia Liza Gutman. <laughs> I was. I was. I was so happy to have Lori Beth Denberg on that show. And they used her so well in that show. And she got to be physical and she got to be funny and she got to do much more than I felt like they let her do in all of that where she just got to either stand still or sit behind a desk. And she like just got to be a part of everything in the Steve Harvey show. And I love that for her. And she got to sing yeah, all I the time. Spanking that. Spanking that. Spanking that. <laughs> 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 that was a good episode. It's an equal opportunity. Where do you get a load of these? <laughs> she was steady trying to get somebody to take off their clothes. If Romeo got his clothes off, <laughs> I love her. I love her. <laughs> she was so cute. I love, yeah, I did enjoy her. And then when Steve got the bright idea to have her house sit, and I was like, where were the boundaries? He had none. By the second episode, he none was bailing children out of jail. It was really bad. Um, and then even when Lydia Liza Gutman finds out that she is <laughs> finds out that she's adopted and she goes through all of those things that has and so with her, I almost was questioning looking at dependent personality disorder for her. But then I kind of thought about it and was like, hmm, could this be better just explained by her experience of being adopted with that kind of fear of abandonment, that not understanding or having those questions of, you know, what your identity is, what your history is, who you are, and her being thrust into that position, kind of exacerbating some of the things that we see from her. And I think some of the characteristics that we see in the personality disorder kind of outline that. And so I just wanted to bring it up to you and see if you at all agreed in any way um some of the criteria that i felt that she met for that diagnosis get my dsm together here guys what page number is that reading an excerpt i am in the king james version king james version versus the chapter verse what the congregation the modern extended version uh, okay. We are in the the T. I'm in the TR version, the text revision version. Um, page seven sixty. Yes, yes. 
I got my new Bible. <laughs> you bet I'm still on the old one, friend. <laughs> I'm still like King James. <laughs> um, the criteria that I felt that she met for that diagnosis was having difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of her fear of loss of support or approval, more importantly. Having difficulty initiating projects or doing things on her own because of a lack of self-confidence in judgment or abilities rather than lack of motivation. Going to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant. Feeling uncomfortable or helpless when alone because of exaggerated fears of being unable to care for herself. Urgently seeking other relationships as a source of care and support when a close relationship ends and being unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left to take care of herself. And so we see her with the um, trying to so desperately to seek approval from the popular girls. And when the popular girls dump her, she's immediately running back to Romeo and Bullethead. She's constantly trying to seek out those supports in the office to have those um, connections with adults as well. She's trying to find all of the this reassurance and this, con- and this constant nurturance and support and approval from others while constantly like not getting it. <laughs> so I felt like it that could potentially develop into something more uh, where it is a full personality disorder, but I don't feel like she's quite there yet. I feel like this is something that is um, influenced more by the environment. Like maybe if she could find a circle of friends, a consistent circle of friends that are supportive of her in college, like that we can help avoid this as well as continuing. She said that she's going to therapy there. <laughs> <laughs> and her negative experience at band camp comes up about twice a month there. But the continuing therapy as well and kind of um, working through the feeling of being abandoned or being given up for adoption, not knowing who her birth parents are, kind of getting a more solid sense of self. I feel like she can kind of navigate out of some of the symptomology, but I feel like if it continues on this road, it has the potential to lead further down the line into a full personality disorder. Wanted to get your thoughts. Agree? Disagree? Think I'm full of shit? Uh, <laughs> I think it's full of shit. Actually, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that stood out for me too, especially when it came to the relationships, was how she even went so far to dumb herself down for her boyfriend or the guy that she was, you know, dating or, you know, a lover, um, her lover, Rabinowitz. <laughs> <laughs> These full names. I was just start introducing my name, my full name now because we gotta have the middle name clearly. Sheesh. Um, Lydia uh, Liza Gov, and you have to do the Liza. Liza. Yes. <laughs> I feel like she wanted her first name to be Liza because baby, the- uh, no, I think that maybe she was just trying to liken herself to Liza Minnelli. Liza. Go. I love it. I love it. I don't know who that is, but okay. Okay. Come on, friend. You know me okay. and my culture. Just, just keep going. Just my keep pop going. culture references are just shit. Keep going, girl. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Don't fire me, okay? Because I'm she a- ain't black girl. We we diagnosed uh, black popular sitcoms and movies. She was Michael Jackson home girl. She was uh, uh, Dorothy's daughter, granddaughter, daughter, granddaughter, daughter. daughter. all of the things but uh neither here nor there okay well i'll educate you on another day um appreciate it frank because you just educate me all the time i appreciate you um (laughs) so yes i do agree because of of that instance um and then you know several you know examples are played out with her relationships with everyone within the show so i definitely can see that but then also i'm wondering what would this not necessarily be applied to Bullethead and Romeo as well? So I thought about it for Bullethead. But then I thought, well, there's going to be some neurological impacts based upon him having a bullet bullet in, in his, his head. head. And so anytime that there are, you know, uh, impacts and trauma to the brain there are some personality changes so I was looking at maybe more personality change due to a medical condition for him but I also mm-hmm. don't know if there what 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 existed before that I don't know if this is an improvement because there would be times where he would say like very insightful things and then he'd be like how long was out for that time 
<laughs> so he has a medical medical induced personality disorder. It's possible. I don't know. I don't know where his baseline was before the bullet. So um, I just <laughs> because I didn't have that information, <laughs> just stuck with the learning deficits because of the accommodations that I was able to witness in the show. Um, <laughs> true shit. True shit. Okay, I can. But when Romeo and Bullethead were being good friends to Lydia, they were being good friends to Lydia. But when they weren't being good friends to Lydia, they weren't being good friends to Lydia. And same for her. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want it to look like they were just being sometimes with her. She was being wishy-washy with them too. And I think that's what caused their back and forth. Sometimes they cool, sometimes... Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going this way. You're going that way. We're running. And so um, I think that that is something that you see a lot in high school where it's, I love you guys, but sometimes I'm a shit on (laughs) y'all. I mean, that not that high school, basically? Like, I feel like kids can be really, really mean. Those unfully developed prefrontal lobes. It just, they can't think of anything past themselves. It's very difficult. Man, ain't that the truth? They're walking ids. Walking it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. And so I guess um, that brings me to another character who was near and dear to my heart. Coretta. I was just about to say, we can't, we cannot not talk about Coretta. I loved her though. (laughs) Coretta and the Gangster Girls. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to call your mama. (laughs) And they all take off. No, uh, well, first of all, can we just take a moment to just say thank you, Coretta, for putting us on to the baby hairs? It's because of you, friend. <laughs> baby hairs. We, we already know what we're trying to do. Sometimes it just felt like they was like, let's just let's just make it a, a little windy line. And let's make it a line. Like they ain't even try to do the swoop to do Betty Boot. They just blood for heart. They just. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but the 90s. <laughs> we just want to say thank you for, for representing in that way with the Afro puff. Looking tough. Yes. Yes, Lady of Rage. Okay, that's it. That's all. What you guys say about Coretta before she come in here and beat you up? I just want to say no, she's not because I'm advocate for Coretta because I feel like they would try and diagnose Coretta with conduct disorder, but I say no. Nay. Not to conduct disorder. Not today, <laughs> Satan. <laughs> My friend. And well, I say no. that because um, with Boss Lady being Coretta Shiro too, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> once she was Regina Principal Greer, rather, was able to really talk to Coretta, have one-on-one time with her, get her actual interests that were individual to her and get her into those programs of designing clothes and doing different things that she was invested in. She was able to find things that she was passionate about and she wasn't beating people up and stealing stuff. And taking the oven out of the wall in home ec because her cake didn't rise. <laughs> might be a little bit, you know, intermittent explosive. Possibly. Just a tad. But that also could have just been she never learned the appropriate skills for managing her anger. And so that no. could just be, you know, her working along with the guidance counselor a little bit more to mm-hmm. develop some skills, some coping skills, some strategies, maybe right. some BBT um, right. techniques right. for yeah. her to, yeah, mm-hmm. build some tolerance, you know, be more dialectical and seeing things um, yes. from other perspectives and moving forward to stress tolerance so that she can be successful because I think she can be very successful when she puts her mind to something. She's very good at it. She's very persuasive. She has lots mm-hmm. of empathy for others. She, she cares does. very much so about Principal Greer and went and got that money for her gift. And so I think she's a determined young lady. And if if others can continue to um, not judge her for her reputation but get to know her as an individual and invest in her interests I think she could be very successful yes I agree and I unfortunately realized that Coretta is like she is a lot the portrayal of a lot of what our students are dealing with now especially coming back you know back into the rhythm of things post-COVID or the other side of COVID right because it's not really quite done yet it really ain't went nowhere Uh, 
It really didn't go nowhere. We just kind of was just like, gets its mail delivered in the airport now because that's where oh, things live. Okay, he's like, where is that? Oh, it's in it's an airport. Wear your mask. Um, so yeah, I feel like what we're noticing a lot with the with a lot of students in schools now is like the social emotional learning component. It's like that social emotional is not there, and a lot of the core feelings that they are likely experiencing is anger but there's always that's just like the tip of it there's always more at the bottom so i would always be interested in knowing like you know so what happened like what what is this like i know this is presenting as anger but what else is under there that could be coming up for you as well and you know maybe there's disappointment maybe there's some guilt you know other things that we're not quite aware of based off of her storyline but i do agree that she does have a really good prognosis I love that. I think that's all I had as far as students. No one else really mattered. Um, you know, <laughs> Sophia went off to, she was already a straight A student. So I imagine if she graduated and is doing well, or, you uh-huh. know, um, Alicia, she was here today, going tomorrow. As long as she stopped being so boy crazy, she'll be fine too. Um, True. Again, no questions about her graduating as well. And I think that Romeo and Bullethead, I think that uh, Romeo has always has the backup plan of being successful with his father and getting into the cab business. If um, Mm -hmm. college doesn't work out for him, I feel like that could even be something that he does part time on the side to whatever his passion is, because he does have uh, interest in doing communications and getting involved in entertainment in some way. You know how much he loves to show his chest. I Mm -hmm. deeply appreciated that once season six came in, he had like real chesticles okay. that was right. nice um mm-hmm. the tattoos too i was like oh you got no one oh, hey. oh mm. not you counting the tattoos friend i noticed i didn't damn it i need to go watch again me marlon santana uh mar yeah marlon santana marlon santana <laughs> I always say Marlon, but it's Marlon Santana, who was Dominican in real life. Unfortunately, he was murdered in L.A. at a tender young age because some whole lied on him and said that he tried to holler at her. Girl, he ain't want you. Okay. Hmm. Stole that talent from us like that. That's so rude. So rude and out of order. Hmm. Anywho, moving right along. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to talk about Cedric and Lovita. <laughs> Mr. Mr. <laughs> I just love their little souls together. <laughs> they were so annoying. <laughs> Lovey is Seti Bear. <laughs> I just love them. Like, who didn't want to to be in a relationship like that? That's relationship goals. No. Fix ah, your face, friend. Fix your face. They had a healthy relationship. I think whenever they had uh, disagreements and conflict, by the end of the episode, they always, they got mad for a little bit and was being petty, which is normal. And then once they would communicate and come to an actual compromise. It was never yes. just one person giving in. It was always compromise, which mm-hmm. I very much so appreciated. I do feel like... um said being friends with Steve had some of his like more traditional um patriarchal values mm-hmm. but I feel like Levita being who she was challenged some of those mm-hmm. and he was able to grow as a result of being in a relationship instead of trying to get Levita to conform to his definition of what he felt like a wife and a mother should be he grew into having mm-hmm. a different understanding of what uh, uh, his partner should be and having mm-hmm. an equal and being in a relationship with somebody. I mm-hmm. do, however, feel like he, in his um, masculine belief that it is his job to provide and protect and all of those things, Levita sometimes took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And she would be like, Sadie, I need you to co-sign on this. I need you to pay for this. I need you to carry my mama to the Target. I need oh. you to do... <laughs> Now when he when he said I put your mama on my back in the mall, I said, now Cedric, that's a bit much, friend. Putting a whole human on your back to walk around the mall. <laughs> There's wheelchairs for that. Stop. You can put it in a shopping cart for all we care. <laughs> <laughs> but we also see Seti before they get married start to develop boundaries and stand up for himself and say what he is willing to do is not willing to do and then their relationship continues to grow and then in the last episode of the show they hit the library and become millionaires and I just love that for them right like what are the odds like seriously I loved it I know Steve was a hating ass uh, 
<laughs> somebody. And Lovita ain't never like him. <laughs> ain't ever. Ain't ever like him. But, you know. And she won't wrong. She won't wrong. I mean, he didn't like her because she ate all the shrimp out the gumbo. I would be mad about that, too. I would be more mad about her cooking. Um, Wait, why is she? What is what her obsession with sardines? What, Even what before she was pregnant. Before. Right. <laughs> L- sardine lasagna. Like, <laughs> Cedric was like, that's supposed to be a no, punishment. Thank <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. You know, I'm like, from lunch. Okay, I'm good. He, he told her, but but he told her in a loving way. Like, I don't really like your cooking. But here, let me show you. And it was like, like their little moment together. So and they do, really, I, I would say relationship goals to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. Um, but as I, as I watch the show, I think the more I realize, like, if there was like a theoretical approach that would be like interesting to apply would be Adlerian. Because it it really does like they, there's the social interest component. So everybody was was interacting with each other just because of their wanting that that sense of community and wanting to be supported and supportive. Um, I think the one that that really stands out is that masculine protest with mm. and, <laughs> and Steve want the desire to be a real man and superior mm-hmm. and perfect, right? And so there's that's why we always have these man versus woman you know, episodes where they're kind of going at it and it's just like, of course the woman's going to win. Duh. Steve Harvey, what is your fascination with men versus women? What is it? What, sir? Uh, is it? Is it just Who hurt or you? Is it, or is it society? Like, it's society. Yeah. But it's always that everything he do too. Like, even past the Steve Harvey show. The books. Mm-hmm. The movies. Like, it's just always, he just always got something to say about what women need to be doing and what real men are. And sir, you are not the authority. Tell him. Steve. Damn it, Steve. We do want want you on the show. Do real men wear toupees? Steve. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> no, but really, I'm really glad he went with the ball head. And I really think that the show is hilarious. And I absolutely love him. I'm just always mad that he always just got something to say about male and female roles. It's not I mean, but that's what's... you to judge. It's what sales. I think he found the thing that gets people riled up and are going to spend the money, whether they want to support it or not. And then for most women who are like, fuck you, Steve, like, how dare you? They are still likely to buy it because it's like, let me see what the fuck he got to say. And they got suckered into the scheme. You know what? So. Make that motherfucking money, Steve. I can't even hate on that. Make your motherfucking money, bruh. You know what I'm saying? If they like, willing to pay, take it. Take that shit. Take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but yeah, I do feel like that's part of it. Lifestyle. So that's a pattern of responses to situations. That's the entire show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> situation after situation. Um, I will say goal-directed and purposeful behavior for some. I, I, I think more so Regina. She's very goal-directed. Mm-hmm. So I have a whole theory on that. I'll let you finish up with your Adlerian wrap-up first. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll get back to Regina. Yeah, I think, you know, I think... And then, of course, striving for superiority. Um, so a lot of this is an attempt to overcome feelings of in- inferiority for mm-hmm. a lot of the characters, right? Including mm-hmm. Romeo and Bullethead. Um, including Lydia Lies the Gutman. Including yes. Miss Greer. Including yes. Steve. yes. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, if there was a theory that I would use like that will encapsulate all of the different behaviors and different things, it would be at Larian theory. I think that that is. Um, so, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching the end of my PhD program and we have to identify our theoretical approach. And I think yeah. I am an integrationist with yeah. uh, predominantly at and CBT focus. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. Wait, Adlerian is CBT focused? Yeah, ask me to explain it. It's a whole long thing, but I have to write that out. It's one of my research. I mean, it's one of my essays I have to write for internship. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that that's a great theory. I think it definitely applies to what we see in this show. And I think it would definitely help grow and give insight to a lot of the characters on the show. However, I think Steve would benefit from insight. I don't think that insight would change Regina. 
She's a smart woman. She know what the hell she be doing. When she bought that psychologist and she had a whole crush on her profile. Oh, I said, but you know. No, you're not supposed to initiate therapy because you have a crush on the therapist. I mean, okay. In reality, yes, no, that's not okay with me. That was wrong. But (laughs) that's my arm, man. Even in TV land, it didn't work. (laughs) No growth happened and everybody started fighting because you did something that was unethical from the beginning. Ah, you're right. Okay. (laughs) You're right. All bad. All bad. All bad. (laughs) She she definitely got some work to do, friends. Oof. Yeah, she got some work. They both do. And I think a lot of um, the issues that we see with, I don't want to keep calling her piggy, with Regina, <laughs> with Regina, is that she was piggy, that she did develop that uh, that sense of inferiority that she's trying mm-hmm. to overcome from feeling bullied as a child for being overweight. She definitely still leans towards food as a coping mechanism when she is dealing through tough times, mm-hmm. hasn't built up those skills aside from that. And then and, and is constantly t- trying to assume control in very various situations and aspects of her life. And for some instances, ends up pushing others away, which is the opposite of what she's trying to do. It's to, mm-hmm. it's to have that connection and community with individuals, but it's that sense of control that she's trying to clasp onto because she didn't have it as a child. And I just think that, I don't know, as a therapist, what do you think of someone entering in a serious relationship with the individual who tormented them as a child? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that's potentially healing or do you think that this is like, no, oh my God. Yeah, I think I would be a little hesitant to, to like be like, wait, you really want to be with this person? But at the same time, I can understand why that would be a, a place of comfort because it's familiar, right? And so while it may not be the healthiest, you know, type of love language within that relationship, um, you know, I, I can understand the think too that's why it's we see so much off and on is because it's the revenge now i'm gonna make you love me yes and then i'm gonna back off yes that is the that is the constant within this relationship is like yes no yes (laughs) it's just like you guys are driving me crazy like like literally i think it was a few episodes where they would end up on dates how are you bringing your date with someone to someone that you know has interest with you and it's literally because the other one has a date so let me bring my date but then that date dumps me and then and then they end up with each other i said lord have mercy hollywood get it together because this is not real (laughs) is it is it (laughs) i take it back they must have gotten some type of you know comment below if you've been on a a double date with somebody you want to (laughs) date Gosh, like how awkward you know what i'm saying like no wonder why they right like i mean i don't know because i'm i'm too petty like the petty the level of petty but they they were petty with each other when it came to those types of relationships too because they would intervene or show up and do something or make you know sabotage some way somehow you know the relationship so sabotage i think that's a perfect word because steve's inability to express his emotions Oh, Lord. So you come and you tell her that you love her and you want to marry her after she's engaged to this other, while she's standing there in her wedding dress and then you get back because she say no. But you waited until she was in her wedding dress to come say, Mary, you know how you do his hands, marry me. Like, no. Get out of here, bruh. Are you kidding me? And then I used to hate how he would come in the office, say his little his little pickup line, and then walk off like he done did something real good. Like, show it. You know what made me Kiki? What? It's him always referencing his body. Nigga, we can't see your body under that big ass suit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get an eye full of all of this. Nigga, we see fabric. Okay. Oh, draped. There's no. <laughs> Baby, Body where? Pull back the legs. Okay. I remember one time one of his pants leg came up. I said, look at them little skinny legs. 
Los Kiriakos. <laughs> you look like a, a, a rectangle just moving down the hallway. You know, eye candy enticing well, nobody. He, he did. a box. Low in, in the bottom of his pants now. A little while they had a little flow. You know, it looked like he was gliding. Float. What's that, Janelle Monet's house? Float. Oh, no, I was about to say in the old school one. I don't know which one you start saying. <laughs> That's what I say. Float on. <laughs> That's literally him. Either way, the float, he was floating. Floating. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, their relationship. It it turned into instead of it being like the name calling and and bullying in that way, it just turned into another way, like another type of. I don't want to call it abuse, <laughs> but yeah, just unhealthy relating. Unhealthy relating. That that sounds good. I think though that the amount of love that they do have for each other though that it will take some time that they but they will grow um into a place that it that works for the two of them. I think that they the in the last season where they actually had a relationship after her husband died. <laughs> I think wow. that Steve um made a big con- concession and really challenged himself by following Regina. I think that was really big for him because he felt like I'm the man. She's supposed to stay here with me and sacrifice her career because me. <laughs> it's me. Shut up. <laughs> um, and so I think that he, him following Regina, I think is, is it shows that they are both willing to, that she is a, going to get to a place of willing to establish boundaries and do what is best for the situation. He is willing to work along with her and they can come together and form a team and be successful in that way. Um, and then of course, you know, in my mind, they retire in Memphis and birth Glorilla because that is what their child would look like. <laughs> well then <laughs> you they know, had 99 problems and the biggest one was her so um <laughs> and there you have it friends um i'd like to end it here <laughs> <laughs> i think that steve had very unhealthy boundaries with the children he was bailing kids out by the second episode he was letting them live in his home he it was just a lot with the kids where I was a little got to a point where I was a little bit I was a little bit concerned about like this isn't sustainable so I am kind of glad that he's going to a different school so then he can get a different set of children and maybe then you know just a change of scenery will make him put in forth some new boundaries those first years of teaching are kind of overwhelming and so for him to make that career change from being a funk legend into being a music teacher um i'm sure he just needed to get the ground beneath him and really understand what the position was unfortunately i also do though see a lot of black men get promoted to um administrative and leadership roles just because they are black men in education and there are so very few that man was a teacher for two years and that was like, we're considering you for assistant principal. What the hell? Mm-hmm. No degrees. Mm-hmm. No, no real. No, they just, he yelled at just, some kids and they like, he it. just floated in there. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> another problem in education. Um, But, you know, America don't care about these kids. And so education as a result is depicting that and is crumbling and falling and no one seems to care. But aside from all of that, I also just think that he must have been making some kind of money from the royalties of when the funk his fan because Steve had money, it seemed like. Or it, he had more to say. And say it got him that job. And it seemed like Said and Levita was like scratching and, and counting, putting their pennies together to make things shake. And Steve was just always all right. So on the teacher's salary, well, he must have been making bank from the royalties. Something was I, going on. I, the suits maybe, alone. No, I feel like he had those when he was in the group and that just kind of okay. added to his current swag as a teacher. But also, I think he got a chance to save money because Seth was helping with rent. True. Good point. Good point. Yeah, so I think that's where he got that little extra change to buy little things. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the suits were very important to him. He said he used to pretend that the suits was his friends because he couldn't make them. Maybe it was because he was so mean and he was a bully and calling him Piggy, Piggy. Yeah, he was mean. 
So in my mind, he had a very uh, overbearing, very harsh, very strict father. But his father which made him but, such a bully. But I'm saying, father, like his father was nice once they got older. I'm saying, like maybe when you know he was mm-hmm. younger, maybe he was going through some stuff and took that on out on Steve, mm-hmm. and that's why like their relationship was a little weird as they got older. Well, he was a reverend, you know. He so as as a preacher's kid, you know that it can Lots be of tough. Pressure. Lots, Lots of pressure. Of pressure. So pressured like you know whether how, how they look for presenting purposes but then also like your their behavior so i think he had a certain level of like what it looked like to 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 embody a certain ideal image mm. and then you know if you weren't a certain shape or size then you were therefore unattractive or unworthy and mm-hmm. so that's why mm-hmm. he picked on piggy that's my theory picking on people ain't in the king james version of my bible that's very ungodly Mm -hmm. no booties in there (laughs) no (laughs) but i think who else do we got that's um with with me being a before saying kind of Adlerian and CBT, I think that I would use more CBT with Regina because because she is um, very much so intellectualizing a lot of her issues as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, in, again, insight will only do take her so far because a lot of the stuff that she's already aware, she's already knowing that she's doing, we need to interrupt some of those automatic behaviors. We need to stop some of those processes and replace those with more positive um actions, behaviors, thoughts, and get to some of those core beliefs, like how you were saying before, some of that inferiority or that others can't be trusted and things like that. We need mm-hmm. to interrupt some of those core beliefs by by changing some of the patterns there. I think that that would be helpful for her. And I think that the structure of sessions, it being very structured, would be helpful for her too. So then she knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. So then she doesn't try to assume a role of control in our counseling relationship because mm-hmm. she knows what to expect. There's already just a level of structure that's there. So she can come into the space, know what's going to happen, but also feeling safe enough to relinquish some of that control within the hour to just be present in the moment as opposed to controlling the situation. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree, especially with her being in positions of authority and power. You can see that being I would see that as being a concern in the counseling relationship and letting and reminding her I'm not trying to be the authority here. We're working together. And in some instances, you'll have a lot more authority because you are the the person that lives your life on a day to day. I don't I'm just here for a glimpse of it. So, you know, you better than I do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You're the expert on you. And I think, too, that that was something that we see in their relationship, which was kind of cute, was those moments where, you know how they always say you have to, you know, those podcasters out there, not our kind of podcasters, but the ones who like to tell or talk about relationships and stuff Uh and say how... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to be masculine enough to make a woman feel comfortable in her feminine energy and there were moments that we see that between her and Steve where she was able to you know kind of let go take off that you know boss hat for a second and be like okay yeah little piggy <laughs> okay and it seemed like she liked functioning in that space I think mm-hmm. But having the opportunity to do both was healthy for her because mm-hmm. she she was so hyper focused in that leadership role, boss, all the time. That then having the balance between the two made her feel a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish they would have just gotten it together a lot sooner. But I guess that would take away the six seasons. So whatever. We wouldn't have had the time to see Merlin develop into a man. True. <laughs> I'm just like get to the point already go ahead and they were not um, always healthy for each other so they needed to right. learn and grow they needed to yeah. learn and grow you white you white okay I guess <laughs> so my last question is what do you think that Cedric and the Vita named their baby <laughs> <laughs> What was it? What was the name? Elijah? No, it wasn't Elijah. It was no, it wasn't Emmanuel. What was the name? Ezekiel. 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 I was like, what's wrong with Ezekiel? Ezekiel. <laughs> it's okay, day. Okay. I was like, 
not a bad name. Call him Zeke. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do I think? Well, with her family names like Duracell and <laughs> Bruschetta. Bruschetta. <laughs> they gonna name that boy Cadillac. I don't know. Paprika. <laughs> Sound about right. Like it's not too bad, and it's just it's just enough of a, hmm. <laughs> and not quite spell it like paprika. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's that's it, friend. You named them. You named them. <laughs> Love that for them. I do. I do. I think. Um, let me see. What would their name be? I think paprika's a good one. <laughs> okay, paprika for some girl. What's okay. the name of this boy? Are we are we going with Ezekiel or are we? I mean, I feel like Ezekiel might. Well, she said she's not going to let the baby. Cedric Junior. She should have just went with Cedric Junior. If she it couldn't be Ezekiel, he wanted a family name. I would do Cedric Junior. Yeah, and just call it a day because you ain't going to stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Cedric Jackie Jackie Robinson? Was that yes. Mm hmm. And I would, I would, I would even go as far as say uh, Jackie. So then his name would just be Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, and then and then the girl name would be Alize. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, guys, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member. And while you're there, you can donate on our Cash App. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we rather the kind that folds. And as always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. Go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, Houston. Bye.